2: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. That is right. It is BMAZ and Beamer here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you. Yes, there it is. Joe Beamer with you for the next five hours. Uh the first hour, Beamaz and Beamer. Brian enjoying the day off today. Uh he'll be back on Monday. And then on Monday, I won't be here. I'll be in for uh Bowerly. So it continues as Brian calls the show Beamaz or Beamer. Today you get Beamer and you get Andy Parker, who is joining us now. Andy, good morning. Hey, good morning, Joe. Andy, how was uh, your Thanksgiving?
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, did the, uh, the metered Thanksgiving had one, one big plate. And then uh, when I go over to the in-laws, they have a plethora of pies and uh, I always got to save a second plate for just the dessert. So I, I did good this time.
2: You, you, uh, you, planned it out a lot better than me. I feel, I got filled up during the bills game and then did not, was not able to join much of dinner or any dessert. but you know, Hey, oh,
1: you live yeah. and learn, right? That every You know, there's every year you get another shot at it.
2: (laughs) That's right. Now, Andy, we talked to you a lot over the last few weeks with the big storm here in Western New York. And obviously, first of all, from everyone at WBEN, thank you for your time and always being there. Um, It was a real big help during the storm. I want to start off by saying that.
1: Uh, My my pleasure. Happy to help everybody out. I mean, there were so many questions leading up to that that... um, I think there was kind of this uh, this gap where people had their questions and they didn't trust the app on their phone and the TV wasn't giving them what they need. And I think being able to kind of have a longer format listening to WBEN, providing that timeline, and, and it helps people plan ahead. And I think we were very prepared For this storm, as much as you can be for that much snow.
2: Now, Andy, that's where I want to start because you know, obviously, when something like that, you know, we start for you start forecasting it and we start reporting it. You've got what we call Monday morning meteorologists, and uh, they'll say, ah, this, you know, it's never as bad as they say. It's only going to be six inches. So let's look at those times where there is a big storm forecasted, and we don't get, even in the south towns, don't get the snow that was forecasted. What happens um, when those storms, I don't mean to say miss, but you know what I'm trying to say, when those storms don't hit?
1: When they don't come together, I think that's the biggest thing. With Lake Effect, there's always the recipe. It's not just uh, you flip the switch and turn it on and turn it off. There's a number of things that go into it, and I'm sure any Western New Yorker that's uh, been listening to you guys for a week kind of knows this by heart now, but the lake temperature is is around 50 degrees. You need a 23 degree difference between the water temperature of the lake and the air at about 5,000 feet or about a mile up. If you get that air temperature difference of 23 then you can start to think, okay, we might have some lake effects. Then you need the right wind direction. And say, uh, you know, the shorter length, if it comes from Canada across Long Point over to Dunkirk, it's a very short distance across Lake Erie. But if it comes from Toledo and Cleveland, it goes over 200 miles of open water. So now you've got a really good fetch or scenario to pull as much moisture as you can to evaporate it into the air, boil it up. And then you have to have a storm system in the area a larger scale pattern that will keep those winds going over those open waters and swirling that cold air now 23 is just the that's the number you need to get in but if you can get it colder if you can have that air above you know if you're in the 50s on the lake and you have air temperatures in the teens above that is a major difference and uh, that's when you really get to boil it up and that's where we were at that's when we had that big storm. If you get a storm that's, say, marginal, where you got a 25 or 27-degree difference and maybe your wind direction isn't perfect or it's not going to be aligned for a long period of time, those are all the things that go into kind of, you're going to say, okay, there's going to be an event and this is what we're thinking, but if just one of those factors, a wind direction change or a temperature profile doesn't turn out to be exact, that's how you can end up with a, a, a bust in the lake effect forecast. It's very easy to bust on those things 803-0930
2: star 930 if you want to ask uh, Andy a question you can also text that in at 803-0930 and you can text Andy anytime text weather to 716-503-ANDY anytime you have a weather question for Andy Parker now Andy you talked about you know the wind direction but it does seem when we do get these massive events uh, weather events regardless it always ends up in the south towns why is that
1: uh, it's kind of the direct, it, really the t- the best direction to get lake effect uh, on Lake Erie from Toledo to Cleveland to Buffalo. That long fetch I talked about ends up from the city out to just north of Batavia on that angle, or just a two degree, three degree difference brings it into the south towns. Uh, those are are the mega the mega bands that uh, that you see develop, and then there's the other ones that uh, target the hills of the southern tier. They come in on the northwest winds, a different direction. So. Uh, that's why you see the mega bands attacking the city every five years or so. It really creates a mess. But it all has to do with the amount of open water that the wind travels.
2: Yeah, it seems like we always miss out in the north towns. I always, uh, when I, you know, when I would be looking on the bottom line for my school closing as a kid, it seems like Amherst was always open regardless because we just never got that wind direction to come our way.
1: It, it is. It's tough to get a lot of – it can happen in Amherst, but it doesn't happen as frequently because uh, the way the natural alignment of the winds are from the southwest just doesn't favor that um, – that flow up in the Amherst
2: is that rare to, is that, you know, special to Buffalo? Because I try to explain that to my friends out of town and they go, wait a minute, you're not getting what I'm seeing on TV. Are we, uh, uh, is it rare for, for a region to be so split, you know, five miles down the street, it can be so different. Um, you know what,
1: there are other, other areas of the great lakes have that the UP of Michigan off of, uh, portions of Lake Michigan, um, I want to say like Grand Rapids over there. There are some communities. that just don't have the scale of a Metro right on the edge. Like Cleveland, it's very hard for Cleveland to have the same thing, but outside of Cleveland between uh, Cleveland and Erie, there's a town called Ashtabula. And a lot of times uh, they will get hit, but Cleveland doesn't. This is a unique situation because um, Buffalo is at the very end of the lake, at the longest fetch of the lake with the prevailing winds out of the Southwest for Chicago, or uh, Gary, Indiana to get hit, they have to have a due northerly wind, or actually a northeasterly wind, which really isn't as favorable. So they get some of these things, but I would say just not as frequent right into a metro area.
2: Now, I want to go back to the degree because you talked about uh, the 23 uh, degree and, and, you know, specifically the the, the temperature of the lake. Because anytime you hear a meteorologist go, oh, the lake is at 50 some degrees, you know, that's that's warning sign. What 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 is that? Why is when the lake is not freezing, it affects a storm. But when a lake is frozen over, it's not the factor that it that we saw it play last week.
1: Oh, gotcha. Good question. Well, it's like it's putting a cap on the lake when you ice it over like that. That's really the key to it. And it uh, reduces some of the evaporation. The lake, by the way, is down to 46 degrees. So before this storm hit, it was 55. And then this storm kind of hit and we had the cold air, it stirred it up. It's down to 46. But uh, your point is when it freezes over, you get a layer of ice. So the evaporative properties So when you have just a liquid water evaporates quicker into an atmosphere than if you have a cap of ice there's still some evaporation but it's it's really truncated it's it's essentially putting a cap on on the lake effect you will not get that super intense stuff at that at that point of the year
2: is that the winter equivalent of a hurricane like we you know we see when a hurricane's sitting over water it gets stronger you know
1: what? Yes. You could, make that, you could make that where you could say, hey, when uh, you have the open water at 55 and then you bring this over, over top of it, yeah, you have the same type of thing. The engine is able to really get going.
2: Now, Andy, I want to look back to last week. We saw a lot of snow, as you know, in the south towns. What records did we set? What records did we break? And, you know, you get a storm like that in November. What are the chances of getting a, a duplicate storm this winter? Oh, that's,
1: I looked at that because uh, it's one of the first things I did. And I went back to 2000, 2005, um, 2006, 2014, 2017. There were a lot of, it's it, it not as uncommon as you might think, these, uh, these storms. But looking at it, it really didn't have, some winters were very benign on the, on the other side of this. Um, uh, 2014, going into 2015, ended up leading to one of the coldest, February is I think if not the coldest in Buffalo history. So unfortunately there's no direct correlation to early season, powerful lake effect storms and the rest of winter. It's just a, uh, and a, it's, it's an, um, I guess a, uh, an alignment to the winds and uh, and an unhappy, uh, you know, a circumstance that happened, but it, it isn't tied to an overall pattern for the entire winter.
2: And now looking at those snow totals, any, any records broken? Oh, yeah. All over the board. I mean, we we could start
1: with um, uh, it's the second, I think, second snowiest November in Buffalo history, uh, Buffalo history. That's a that's a big one. Uh, We were top five uh, single day snowfalls for the Buffalo airport. And that's 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 a big one because it goes back to the 1800s. So the, the biggest snowfall ever to hit the airport, and I know, you know everybody will say, yeah, but Lancaster, and I get it. Okay, but the airport's been measuring snow the exact same way since the 1800s. I should say the weather office, because they did move from downtown Buffalo to the airport uh, during the uh, 1900s. 33.9, that was on uh, December 10th, 1995. That's the most that Buffalo's had in a single day. Then you had uh, 2001, 2000, 2001 in the 26, 24, 21. We had 21.5, which it's a top five snow all time. January, February, December, you name it. doesn't matter what month. This was one of the, the fifth biggest hit at the Buffalo airport since record keeping began in the 1800s. So that, that, that to me is a, a pretty big hit. And that was just the, the airport. Now, if this, had again wobbled up north and stuck around the airport for a little bit longer, we would have very easily had the biggest snowfall in Buffalo history. But I think what's interesting is that all of those top five, 1995, 2001, 2000, 2001, and 2022, they're all pretty recent in the last uh, 20-some years.
2: So we have the airport, which, you know, the weather station at the airport, it, it, that's the only official um Uh, snowfall not in the south towns there's they they don't have an office in the south town to keep that uh, that measurement
1: they don't it's all uh, all the official spots are done uh, there's the airport in uh, niagara falls the airport in buffalo Uh, you have um, rochester as well so a lot of the airports have those official measurements the larger ones and then you have what are called co-op people that have been uh, they've received some training they have a uh, approved weather station at their location. They'll go out and take readings at uh, seven in the morning, possibly seven at night as well. And then they provide supplemental data that uh, surrounds the Buffalo area. and, and the The Buffalo uh, National Weather Service has done a great job of recruiting people to be weather watchers, if you will. And it's not just you go out and you put a ruler in the ground, but these are the folks that are gonna go out and measure the, the snow as it falls to keep track of the rain, the hours that it fell. And they have a weather station that does that. And that's supplemental information that uh, goes into creating the snow maps after a uh, a weather event like this. So those hats off to all the co-op people uh, who really put their time in day in and day out. And then when you get a big weather system like this, their data is invaluable to uh, to help uh, kind of forensically recreate the maps of where everything fell and how much uh, and that was something that was missing uh, back in the back in the 80s you had to rely you know on a lot less data points and uh, in the 90s as well so now we have a, a ton of data points around western new york which really allows us to feed you know this back into a computer and recreate these scenarios and kind of Uh, you, you could, uh, it's kind of like looking at the the game film from a Bill's game. And so that you know, this happened, well, let's look at the game film and the all 22, you hear about that where it's got all cameras are looking at the field and you can see from all different angles, why this happened. That's a great piece of meteorology that we're able to kind of go back and look at these things. And we learned from 2014, we learned a lot about these mega bands and how they act and, and where the computer models fail. And what their bias is. And, uh, you know, computer models want to push it south and push it north. And these big mega bands just hold their ground and really don't get steered that much once they reach a certain level of strength. And that's what uh, that's why I think the flags went up so quickly on the big totals for this one, because it had that potential.
2: Andy, I thank you for answering the question, even though I stumbled all over uh, asking it. I I appreciate it. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, On the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, Frank in Williamsville wants to know, do you think there will be a time where something could be done, maybe to the lake, maybe to the system, to prevent some of the factors of lake effect snow?
1: Oh, wow. He's going right into weather modification. Um, The only thing you can do is build a dome. (laughs) a a very large dome. And uh, other than that, it's uh, it would you'd have to you'd have to either redirect a large scale weather system deflect it in some way. You'd have to be able to uh, cap the lake if you could put a retractable uh, cover over the lake. Um, You know, these are kind of fanciful things. But realistically, those are the things that you'd have to do in order to uh, control or prevent a weather system like this, redirect the winds that would be another one but they 're all at this point conjecture and uh but it 's interesting to talk about but uh I always thought you know if you could just you know if we all could put a big dome over our house <laughs> that would be that would be one way to do it heated heated driveways help you too so. Oh.
2: Now, uh, one more snow question uh, before we go to break here. And then, obviously, the phone lines are open, 803-0930. The Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open at 803-0930. And anytime you can text Andy Parker, text weather to 716-503-ANDY. And you know, last week we talked about, or two weeks ago now, we talked about the snow and the different types of snow. What affects the kind of snow I'm going to see in front of my house after a snowstorm? Oh, you know
1: what it is? It's the water content of the snow and then also the atmosphere that it falls through. So if you have a temperature that's in the low to mid 30s, that's when you're going to find kind of a, a wet, good packing snow. And if you have an air temperature in the 20s, that's when you're going to have that real fluffy snow. So it really depends on the temperature of the air that uh, that'll be the, the composition of the snow, that dusty, fluffy, flyaway snow that goes uh, sideways and redrifts, And then there's the heavy, wet snow. Like if you go out today, uh, that is a very heavy, wet, ripe snowpack that we have out there. When it initially fell... It, it kind of came there were three parts to the snowpack there was this the super fluff as I call it on top that first shovel full is super easy then you have that second shovel full of the packing stuff and it's like got a little heavier but manageable and then that lower third was that really heavy slush near the near the bottom all
2: right Andy Parker is with us for another segment you can Text in your question at 803 0930. You can call in your question, talk with uh, Andy Parker and myself at 803 0930. And anytime you can text Andy Parker, text weather to 716 503 Andy, and uh, he will get the answer to you. 803 0930 is the number here at News Radio 930 WBEN. We'll be talking with Andy Parker and you after the break. It's BMAS and Beamer on News Radio 930 WBEN. Ah, yes, welcome back. Beamaz and Beamer here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Brian taking the day off. So uh it's uh it's Parker and Beamer today with Andy Parker joining us for the full hour. And uh Andy, before we get to some non-snow related or kind of snow related, we do have uh Juanita in Tanawanda who has a question for you. 803-0930-star nine thirty, if you'd like to uh get on the line. Juanita, you're on with Andy Parker. Uh, Yes,
1: good morning to both of you. Uh, I'm calling to ask, please, um, uh, I'm an older person, so to speak, but I never could figure out why certain areas get hit with the snow, such as East Aurora, Orchard Park, West Seneca, and South Buffalo. Why do those communities get hit where maybe like North Buffalo doesn't get a hit as bad? And um, I live in the town of Tonawanda. We had the snow as of last Saturday, but nothing comparably to these other towns and communities. Yeah, thanks, Juanita. That's a good question. Now, my wife is from Tonawanda. We just talked about this yesterday. I went up there uh for thanksgiving and my in-laws and uh, as she grows up she remembers only a handful of times where they had enough snow to build uh snow forts and igloos and all that stuff where kids in the south towns it, 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 it was almost weekly that you could go and do that you'd get hit with one of these and that's enough snow to build your snow fort for the rest of the season uh the reason is and i think we touched on it earlier it was the wind direction that we have that comes Up the southwest fetch of the lake, that long fetch, and that's what drives right through sometimes the city of Buffalo and most times right through Blaisdell, West Seneca, Orchard Park. People always like to say the Ford plant is the cutoff for some of the big lake effect, and uh, it is in that corridor from almost sturgeon point to Buffalo that you find yourselves with that heavy snow swath. It goes all the way inland and all the communities that you just said, Orchard Park, West Seneca, East Aurora, and then inland out to Wyoming County get hit as well. But it's really, it has to do with wind direction. For the Tonawandas to get hit, you have to have more of a southerly wind. And that's what happened on Saturday where that snow band ended up going to the north and started tagging Niagara Falls, Grand Island. You really have to see the winds bend that snow band to the north in order to get it up there and it doesn't usually stay that direction long. It's it's more of a spray where it comes up, stays for a few hours, and then moves on out. So that's why the Tanawandas and the North Towns don't see nearly as much snow in and as frequently as some of the South Towns.
2: Now Andy I, I do have one more snow question. You know, I've lived on Lake Erie a majority of my life. So I don't know much about Lake Ontario. I'm sure I'm gonna get made fun of uh, by a listener for this, but do <laughs> they get the effects of lake effect snow on Lake Ontario like we do with Lake Erie? Uh, They do. And the big hit is at the other end of Lake Ontario by Watertown. Now,
1: that's a whole length. It'll go all the way from Hamilton right along Lake Ontario, and they have some vicious bands, uh, places like Pulaski and lesser-known communities. But they get big hits down there as well. They're well over 200 inches, maybe even 300 inches a season. So they really kind of put uh, Buffalo's total to shame. Uh, It does come off of Ontario. That's a westerly wind. If winds go northwest, you can get bands off of Ontario. That's how Rochester and Orleans County gets their snow. It's rare that they get their snow from Lake Erie as much as it is from Ontario, but that's a a different direction of the wind. So you can blame the, the favorable wind direction for the south towns getting all the snow.
2: Now, Andy, looking at all that snow, and, and you know, as we mentioned, Amherst didn't get anywhere close to the south towns, but I walked from my, uh, my apartment to my in-laws today to uh, get my car, and let me tell you, there's still a lot of snow uh, piled up along Main Street, along Transit, uh, and I'm looking at the forecast, we're not going to be anywhere close to the freezing point in the next few days, and we even have rain in the forecast. What does that meltdown do with the potential for flooding?
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's a two part question. Now I'm looking, I did a post that I said, Hey, we were talking weather on WBEN and everybody kind of put some posts in here and the um, the meltdown is on. It it began, you know, kind of last week as the sun came out and we started to shrink the snowpack. Some of these 45- and 50-inch snowpacks are now down to a foot, maybe two feet in Hamburg. And then what we're going to do is add to that with the rain today, continue to ripen it. It's going to leak off and melt into creeks and streams. The creeks and streams have not seen appreciable rises yet. They're, they're definitely moving, but they're nowhere near bankful. If we can uh, tomorrow get into the 50s, and, uh, and, or I'm sorry, Saturday is sunshine and 40s, Sunday is 50s and then a half inch of rain. That's when we're going to see the rises on creeks and streams and the potential for them to reach bank full. But it doesn't look like we have a massive flooding scenario. I think one of the worst things is going to be the muddy pause that people are going to have to endure for a while. And in looking beyond that, as you mentioned, there's no sub freezing temperatures during the day for a while. So 40s and sun on Saturday, 50s and rain on Sunday, and then you're back to the 40s on Monday. Tuesday, you've got sunshine and 40s there. Wednesday, another shot at rain, and we're in the 50s, almost 60 there. I think that's going to be the big snow eater, and then a big wind event as well. 50, 60-mile-an-hour winds come roaring in late Wednesday, and you know what happens on the other side of that, Joe. The thermometer goes from the 60s probably back down into the 30s, but at this point... It does not look like a big snow event for us. this I think we're going to erase a lot of what you see out there right now by the time we get to Wednesday, and the folks that didn't get to clean the leaves out may have another
2: shot at it. I want to ask you about the wind, but I want to go to the to the piles of snow, you know uh, because to me, I'm looking at this, and I mean there are days we don't even get to thirty two so you're looking at that how what are you seeing that you know what would make it where all that snow would melt down? you know, when it's 50 outside, when it's 55 or does it have to be a specific degree to melt all that in a 24 hour span or a 48 hour span?
1: Yeah. The two things that you want to add to this. Now, if you can get temperatures in the fifties and you get wind and with some rain, that's a snow eater. That's what we would call those days where it can take a snowpack. The wind will evaporate it. You've got the rain acting on it and temperatures in the fifties that are really beginning to melt that snow from the top to the bottom. So Sunday we're looking at as a big snow eater, and then again on Wednesday. So whatever doesn't get eaten away by the 40s on Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday, Sunday and Wednesday are going to be the days where you see the most dramatic drop in the snowpack. The city of Buffalo, if you have a shaded front yard, you have snow. If you have a front yard that gets sun, you're down the green grass. It's kind of a, a weird thing. One half has snow, one half doesn't, but it's really who got the sun to melt it off. And the same thing is happening in the stadium as well. Um, I got a picture from uh, one of the guys who works there, and the north half of the stadium is, uh, is almost down to just the bare seats, and the south side of the stadium that doesn't get the direct sun, that still has big piles of snow. Of course, the 200 levels with the heaters, those are already melted.
2: Now, you talked about the wind event on Wednesday uh, and how, you know, at one end, we're looking at 50s, mid-50s, and then after the wind event, we're down back down to the 30s. What is causing that? What are we seeing, you know, in, in, with weather fronts that cause, number one, the wind, and then the temperatures to drop?
1: Yeah, you've got a battle zone right now, and this is a shoulder season where the Earth is changing its tilt and it's switching seasons from... Fall headed towards winter and you're starting to get these bubbles of cold air coming out of the Arctic and they're able to drop down a little further into North America. And what's going to happen this week is that they'll start targeting the West. And as the West gets cold, some of that cold will go all the way down to New Mexico and Arizona, and it bubbles up in the East. So that's why we're going to get these bubbles of warmth. And that's going to happen on Sunday and then again on Wednesday. And what happens uh, following that, it looks like we may have one more bubble of warmth uh, over the weekend. And if I was to say when we're going to kind of lock in, when that CSAR teeter-totter tips and brings the cold air from the West to the East, it's looking around December 7th, 6th, 7th, or 8th, right in that window, that's when we're going to find a noticeable change back over to cold air, where we're finding daytime highs in the 20s and 30s. And I can say, if, if you have an opportunity to get your Christmas lights up between uh, now and December 7th, that's, that's your window to get it done, because I think we're going to see a fairly large pattern change and that will bring another opportunity for lake snow. Although with the lake temperature now down into the 40s, give that a couple more weeks that may even drop down into the 30s, that could kind of not eliminate lake effect, but the odds of getting another mega storm like we had with the lake temperature in the fifties is greatly reduced.
2: Speaking of those mega storms, um, you know, because you mentioned the lake and we, we see now we, we had that snow event last week and now it's, it, it's kind of warm again. I mean, if we get into the fifties, you know, I'm breaking out the shorts. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> but uh When do we see the worst snow? You know, you mentioned the storms of 2000, 2001, 05, 06. And to me, I'm thinking all those storms were in November, December. Does our chance for huge winter events go down when we actually get to winter?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I looked at it and
2: uh, because it kind of it
1: it blew me away that we've never had a snow event. And I'm pretty sure about this. I don't think we've had a snow event greater than 20 inches once you get out of December. Uh, January, February, March, a single-day snow. So you see these big numbers. I mentioned the top five. So uh, Buffalo now recorded – it made the top five largest one-day snowfall at the the airport. And those big hits don't occur – in january february march and in those months it's less lake effect and it's more these large scale weather systems that come in and it'll put down a foot of snow or 13 inches or seven here um, and then you'll see these storms come in uh, right you're kind of on the conveyor belt where it's like every other day you're getting another few inches of snow and and you can get on that uh if like an El Nino or a La Nina begins to direct that conveyor belt right over Western New York. We can see a lot of storms in rapid fashion through the, the winter, but they're, they're not as much lake effect driven at that point.
2: Yeah. Because I'm thinking of, you know, late winter I mean you know, early mm-hmm. of the year when I think of, of, of winter storms or winter events, I, I think back to when things would ice over and then you'd get a windstorm following an icing. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that happens. You can have a uh, an ice event followed by a wind event. Usually there's two reasons for that. It's because you're, you're undergoing a temperature change. You're going from maybe a warmer temperature to a colder temperature. These uh, large patterns, especially the one that's going to happen on Wednesday of this coming week. And that's exactly what's happened. This big bubble of warmth, a cold front coming through, and then the rapid temperature drop behind it. It's that weather system that comes through that develops kind of a very, it's a pressure of that the low pressure that begins to drive the winds that direction yes that absolutely is the case
2: all right uh andy we have jack in lewiston who has a question for you jack you're on with andy parker yes good morning gentlemen
1: uh i live in the quiet village of lewiston new york and uh we were supposed to get eight or nine inches of snow but it looks to me like we got four to six uh and since i moved from niagara falls years ago we don't get as much snow as most people around us. Uh, do you have uh, the explanation for that, yeah. sir? Yeah, absolutely. This time around, thank you for the question, by the way. Lewiston is uh, is like the snow desert up there. It's kind of funny. Um, uh, a colleague of mine, Keith Radford, uh, longtime Channel 7 news anchor, now retired, split in time between Lewiston and, and Florida. That's his stomping ground. And he'd always uh, comment to me as he, drove in as he'd see the conditions get worse and worse and worse. And sometimes not till he arrived near the city of Buffalo. Did it get bad? He saw he'd always say, I left sunshine in Lewiston this time around that snow band came up North and it stopped just short of Lewiston. So Niagara Falls had about a foot of snow. The Tonawanda is a foot of snow. And then once you went North of Niagara Falls, you saw those numbers drop down until uh, you got your numbers there in that four to six inch range. It's very difficult. To get lake effect snow up in Lewiston, Lewiston gets their snow from these larger scale storms that come in and kind of paste everybody with four to six inches of snow. So yeah, Lewiston it's it is if you're looking to, for a place to escape lake effect snow, Lewiston, New York is uh, is that spot. Maybe the Chamber of Commerce should start marketing it like that. <laughs>
2: Andy, you know, looking to February, I always think if it 's going to be a bad winter it 's going to be freezing all february long there 's no way to predict that this far away, is it uh, will it be you 're saying will it be an abnormally cold February? It is extremely
1: hard, and anybody that is is looking ahead and saying you 're going to have this epic cold February is literally throwing darts at a darts at a board <laughs> there is there 's so much wiggle room and guesswork with those long term Long term things. I am very confident. What I like to do is I can give you three weeks out. Like we just talked about it. And I I gave you kind of the breakdown. You know, you've got a big windstorm on Wednesday, temperatures take a dive, then they go back up one more time. And then around the 7th, 6th, 7th, or 8th of December, that's when this new pattern locks in. And that pattern will be here for a number of weeks. It might go all the way to Christmas, but usually it's a, a two week pattern you can kind of see out. So now, I'm very – that's high confidence Wednesday's storm is going to happen. That, that, that's there. Then you've got the, uh, you know, the the next big thing, which is December 6th, 7th, or 8th. That's high confidence. And then you know, that's going to stick around. You've got a cold pattern after that. That's also high confidence. Anything beyond that is, is where you get into guesswork because we can't look far enough around the globe – to see what's going to influence us. So when we look at the globe, you can see these large scale pattern changes being directed by the jet stream. And you can kind of forecast those in, uh, in <clears throat> generic terms for trends. Like you can pick a portion of the month where this is going to happen, but then to go beyond that into January, it's just a little bit too much guesswork.
2: All right, Andy. Well, you know, people still have, people have their families in from out of town. Maybe they're traveling today or tomorrow. What's the weekend forecast look like uh, as we head into this Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah, you got it. The, the ski resort, uh, Holiday Valley is open today. The rain showers are shutting
1: down. You're going to have a gusty wind, temperatures in the, the 40s, but dropping down into the 30s. That's today. Tomorrow you're in the 40s. You're still going to have a bit of a gusty breeze, but the sun comes back out. So you've got a little bit of a counteraction there. Some sun, some wind, but temperatures, again, not too far from 40. Now, on Sunday, it warms up a little bit, but that's where you're going to need the umbrellas. It's going to rain on Sunday, up to about a half an inch of water there. And then uh, Monday is not so bad. And Tuesday, the sun comes back out, 40s. Wednesday, 50s, maybe 60 with rain, and then the big wind event. So I'll give you all the way into next week. And, hey, Joe, I know you've got this number already, but I want to give everybody else my text number. Um, As we start to approach the next weather event, I I developed – I'm handing out my text number, and uh, everybody at BEN has it. I want to give everybody out there access to it as well. It literally goes to the phone, and you'll get a response back. So if you type in 503-ANDY or 503-2639 – It's uh, easier to remember 503 Andy. And you type weather, you're going to get an instant reply. It'll tell you what's going on. And then if you need more, if you have a question, just like you've had questions and your viewers had questions, go ahead and text them in and you'll get an answer back. And when it's sunny and 70, I, I don't get a lot of text. But boy, when those big storms come and the changes are on the way, it's great to have a meteorologist on speed dial. And I'm happy to give that number 503 Andy to anybody who wants it.
2: It sure is, Andy, and I, I'm sure that phone will be uh, lighting up Tuesday night and Wednesday. All right. Andy Parker, thank you so much for joining me this hour. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in contact this week as another system moves in. Don't forget 503andy. Text weather to 503andy. Also, follow him on Twitter at Andy Parker TV. Andy, it was great talking with you this hour. I hope you have a great weekend. Joe, always
1: a pleasure. I'm expecting to see some shorts on oh, you this weekend.
2: Shorts and living La Vida Loca. I mean, that's all you're going to see it all weekend long. You got it. Hey, have a great five-hour run here. I appreciate it. That is Andy Parker. Again, if you have a weather question, text weather to 716-503-ANDY. He'll give you the forecast. And then if you have specific questions, that's where you text uh, right there, 503-ANDY. When we come back, it is Black Friday. And this used to be the day where we saw people cruise. What's the word I'm looking for? Rushing the store. I don't know why I thought it was I was gonna say crushing the store. Rushing the store. Ready for that big deal, right? It was a it was a Black Friday tradition that you would get on social media in the early years of social media and see videos, see pictures of people rushing, rushing, uh, you know, any kind of big box store. Uh, for a TV, for some kind of electronic, for a Nintendo 64. Are those days still here? Are those days done? I want to spend an hour talking about Black Friday shopping and where are we with brick and mortar retail? And I also want to tie that in to Station 12, where we are told if we build it, they will come. Will they? 803 star 930. This is the end of Beam and Beamer. Joe Beamer, me, in for David Bellavia after the news here on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
1: And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.